What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is supposed to be about the Blazers' Game 5 against Los Angeles Lakers. But there is no Game 5 today. There aren't any games in the NBA. Today's episode is going to be out, be about how we got here and where we go next. This isn't where things started, but it is the flashpoint for how we got to this exact moment. Earlier this week, police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, attempted to kill Jacob Blake. NBA players, the majority of whom are black Americans, saw this abhorrent footage the same way you and I did. That brought to the forefront the feelings that I'm sure many of us have felt. Only the NBA has promised players a quote-unquote platform to speak out against this exact thing. Police violence, the state-sanctioned racial violence perpetrated disproportionately against black people in this country. In many ways, there was a debate about whether the NBA should return at all, considering where we are as a country, unable to address police violence, racial inequality, that continues to pop up even in the face of ongoing protests across this nation. So players seeing this footage of Jacob Blake shot seven times in the back started to feel like the slogans on their jerseys and the Black Lives Matter script on the court weren't nearly enough. That feeling started to kind of foment yesterday. Uh, The Toronto Raptors, many of them spoke at length, particularly Fred Van Vliet, uh, at length about starting to feel like maybe this whole bubble thing was was a distraction from things that actually matter. George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks echoed that sentiment in, in his media availability. There were supposed to be three NBA games today, three game fives. And prior to the first game, which was supposed to be between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic, the Bucks chose to stage a wildcat strike. The Magic were out on the floor, prepared to play. The Bucks never came out of the locker room. Eventually, it became clear that the Bucks were staging a strike. They were not going to come out of the locker room and had no intent to play Game 5. So they stayed in the locker room to figure out what their next steps were. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, while they were in their closed-off locker room, the Bucks were on a conference call with Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call and the Lieutenant Governor in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes. The Bucks were trying to demand direct, ac- direct action from the state's politicians from, and from government officials and make sure that the strike, the boycott of this game, was only step one of this process. The Orlando Magic eventually left the court before the game would have started anyways. Uh, they, when it became clear it was a strike, they made it, the Magic organization said that they would not accept a forfeit. They, they, they too were in standing in solidarity with the Bucks' choices. And the game was officially shut down by the players refusing to take the court. Three hours after tip-off was supposed to happen, the Bucks emerged from the locker room. This is after speaking with the Attorney General and Lieutenant Governor on the phone. And... George Hill and Sterling Brown, two Bucks guards, spoke to the media standing. The Bucks stood as a team outside the locker room, and, and those two gentlemen spoke to the assembled media and released a prepared statement that I'm going to read to you now. The past four months, 
we've witnessed multiple injustices regarding the African-American community. Citizens around the country have used their voice, their voices and platforms to speak out against these wrongdoings. Over the last few days in our home state of Wisconsin, we've seen the horrendous video of Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times by a police officer in Kenosha and the additional shooting of protesters. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level and give maximum effort and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard, and, and in this moment, we are demanding the same from our lawmakers and law enforcement. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand for the officers be held accountable. For this to occur, it is imperative for the Wisconsin State Legislature to reconvene after months of inaction and take up meaningful measures to address issues of police accountability, brutality, and criminal justice reform. We encourage all citizens to educate themselves, take peaceful and responsible action, and remember to vote on November 3rd. The state murder of black people is a reality for black Americans every day of their lives. It's something they contend with every day when they wake up. If you are not black, this might not be something that you have to address every day in your life or have to think about or see on TV people that look like you and look like your family members murdered by the police. That is not the case for black Americans. Not every person on the Bucks is black. Not every person on the Bucks is American. But for them, it's even more specific than just the realities of this country. Former Buck John Henson was once locked out of a jewelry store in Milwaukee during regular business hours while the owners called the police on him simply for being black and big. And Sterling Brown, whose father was a police officer and addressed the media today, was approached by police for being illegally parked in a handicapped spot outside of Walgreens. And that situation escalated in an all-too-familiar fashion. He was eventually punched, kicked, and tased by the police. These same police, that same department, offered him a $400,000 settlement to not go to court. He rejected that and has a civil suit that is still pending against the city. For the Bucks, it's close to home. But I don't think they need specifics to call out the disproportionate and racist police activity in this country. Just like you and I, they can see the videos on the news or on social media, or they've experienced the racism by the state in ways that are less public than Henson and Brown's experiences. What the Bucks did today was an historic moment. After they staged a strike, the Oklahoma City and Houston Rockets game was called off. The players decided they weren't going to play that either. And eventually, the Lakers and Blazers game that we were supposed to talk about on this podcast has been called off. As I'm sitting here recording this, it's unclear when and if the NBA will return. What I want to talk about in the second segment is why this moment was so historic. We addressed how we got here, what the Bucks did, but I think we should try to put into context why this moment is an important moment in American and sports history. The history of our country and certainly the history of sports, the history of basketball. So that's what we'll do in the second segment. All right. So after the Bucks staged a strike and, and their game was called off, 
The other games followed suit. Like I said, the Houston OKC game five was called off. The Blazers and Lakers game was called off. And the NBA quickly moved to postpone all the games. That was the language they used. The games have been postponed and they will be rescheduled. In many ways, I view this as the NBA trying to remove some of the power from what the Bucks did. But don't get it twisted. Do not get it twisted. This was a powerful historic day that doesn't happen without the brave action of NBA players and specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. The games were not postponed. They were boycotted and called off due to a strike. The ripple effects from this strike were seen immediately across the American sports landscape. All the WNBA games were canceled. The WNBA has been an absolute leader in the fight for social justice, the fight against racial inequality in America. In some ways, this is the first time that the NBA has ever led this charge in professional basketball. It has always been the WNBA doing it first. They have been on the front lines of this movement. But the timing was such that the NBA led the way. The WNBA called off its games. Some Major League Baseball games were were called off. Some uh, Major League Soccer games were called off, including here in Portland, where the Portland Timbers canceled their game this evening. The NBA has had strikes before. The 1999 and the 2011 lockouts were strikes, labor refusing to report. There's also the 1964 All-Star Game where stars Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and Elgin Baylor, among other big names heading into this All-Star Game at the Boston Garden, threatened not to play. And that led to creating a pension for the NBA Players Association and the recognition of the union itself. And just in general over the past decade or so, NBA players have taken up cause for social movements. They've been more vocal about racial injustice and voting rights and the president being an asshole. This isn't that uncommon. In fact, the the NBA players have protested police violence in the past. But in the past, it was things like slogans or heartfelt speeches at the ESPYs or things like that. This is a different thing. This is hitting people in the wallet. This is pulling money from the NBA and its partners and saying, you need to listen, or if nothing else, the world needs to listen. We are going to draw attention to a thing that we find to be a moral imperative to speak on. And perhaps you are listening to this asking, what do millionaires truly have to lose by boycotting or going on strike? And the answer is, to be clear, less than non-millionaires. Certainly. But don't let that wallet-watching distract you. First, it takes bravery to step away from something you love and stand up for something you believe in. Stepping away from the, the league MVP and a team with real championship aspirations Stepping away from a playoff game is a big deal. Undeniably, not just a powerful moment, but a big deal for sports in general, period. And secondly, America simply does not listen to the voice of the poor and the marginalized. If it did, if we as a country, as a collective, listened to poor people, we wouldn't be here. This is not the place we would be. So instead of asking yourself or even entertaining others that ask, why should we listen to the rich and entitled speaking out against injustices, consider this. How often do we listen to the poor? 
These are the people, for better or for worse in America, who can grab our attention, who can make it something we talk about. Poor and marginalized people, quite frankly, would not have caused me to spend an entire podcast episode on this. I have watched people in my community uh, protest this exact thing every single night for 90 days in Portland, Oregon. Out on the streets yelling for the exact thing the Bucks are standing up for right now. And I have spared you from talking about it because I want to make this place a place you can escape from the harsh realities of America for the most part. And enjoy sports for what they are. But sports for what they are is something that is inherently political because all of our lives and all of the world where people make money and entertain has a political element. The NBA had a spotlight. And this is a moment and an opportunity to draw attention to the actual message and call for concrete change. This is not Black Lives Matter or vote on the back of a jersey. This is not a slogan on the court. This is not uh, Mike D'Antoni wearing a fun please go vote t-shirt pregame. These are people walking out of a playoff game and saying, we refuse to play because it distracts from things that are more important. Famous people are afforded that opportunity and doing it takes courage. I don't care to speak to the straw man whether you think this is right or wrong or appropriate or anything like that. If you feel that way, why the hell are you still listening to this podcast? But I am here to speak to the people who think that this is cosmetic or lacks the long-term efficacy of maybe some other movements. And here's what I tell you. There have been long-term movements in my community and likely yours for months now and nothing has happened. Having the rich and the famous get on board with the plan and call for real action is as important a step as we've had. The players in the bubble... I think felt fed up because the things that they had been promised a chance to speak on, they just hadn't been able to make concrete action. And then you see a video of Jacob Blake being the police attempting to kill Jacob Blake. And for many people who are stuck there in Orlando, it starts to feel like action must take place. So they did so. The Milwaukee Bucks play 40 minutes from Kenosha, Wisconsin. I think proximity certainly affected their decision-making. When something like this hits close to home, you are more likely to act out on it. I think that's natural for all humans. But I think also the isolation in Orlando, feeling not that it was so close to home, but it was so close to a place that you are separated and isolated from, made this a moment and imperative to speak out. This was a historic day for sports, a historic day for the NBA. I don't really know what's next. I was going to use some of this space to talk about what's next, talk about basketball, talk about the plan. It seems right now from the reporting, particularly from Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe of ESPN and Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, it seems like the NBA isn't over. At some point, they will resume. As I'm recording this, it seems unclear when, but I think it's clear that the the players there, which includes pretty much all of the heavy hitters in the NBA Players Union, want to do something to take concrete action. The NBA tried to sanitize this message. They gave watered-down 
corporate-approved slogans on backs of jerseys. They wrote Black Lives Matter on the court like that was a, a concrete step forward. It was a nice gesture, but it doesn't do anything. And I think this moment, players want to make sure they do something. They've taken a very big first step. Boycotting a playoff game is a big moment. I think we'll remember this for a long time as something to point to. But what's next, how this moves forward, is probably more significant. I've given you a lot of context here in these first two segments. What I want to give you in the final segment to close out the show is a perspective that I can't offer. I want you to hear from some guys around the NBA, some black men around the NBA, about what what the current climate of police violence in America does to them, how it makes them feel, how it affects their psyche, how it affects their everyday life, and why that feeling, that that fear that it causes makes led to the moment that we've reached. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. We hear some voices and some perspective that I simply can't provide you. Still pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers. We talked about the Milwaukee Bucks strike and what might be next for the league and why this was a historic moment. But what you heard in those first two segments was the voice of a white man in America. I cannot speak to the black experience. I can speak to the facts of what this country is, but I cannot wake up and, and know what it's like to be black in America. So what I want to do is I want to play you some sound from two black men, Doc Rivers and Chris Webber. Doc Rivers, after the Clippers beat the Mavericks on Tuesday evening, spoke to the media in a really impressive and heartfelt way about the climate and state of the country. And I will let his words speak for themselves. Convention, uh, convention. And this, this spewing this fear, right? Like, all you hear is Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's it's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Like, I should just be a coach. And it's so often reminded of my color you know, it's just really sad. We got to do better, uh, but we got to demand better. Like we got, you know, it's, it's funny. We protest and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits. They go to Michigan with guns and they're spitting on cops and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force, the unions, have to be taken down in the police force. 
My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away. We're trying to get them to protect us, just like they protect everybody else. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it before the game because it's so hard. Like, just keep watching it. That video, if, if you watch that video, you don't need to be black to be outraged. You, don't, you need to be American and outraged. And how dare the Republicans talk about fear? We're the ones that need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk every, to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? It's, it's just ridiculous. And it just keeps getting, it keeps going. Uh, there's no charges. Breonna Taylor, no charges, nothing. All we're asking is you live up to the Constitution. That's all we're asking for everybody, for everyone. Thank you. Doc Rivers' words don't need much explanation from me. I wanted to play them because he provides a perspective from someone within the league and someone who is black in this country, perspectives that I can't offer you. I want to play you a little more audio here. This is from Chris Weber, who, after the games were called off today, spoke candidly on the TNT broadcast. Uh, That TNT broadcast also included Kenny Smith walking off the set in solidarity with the players, just saying he didn't feel right being there today. And so the the show eventually pivoted in the way that it it maybe only it in the world of sports TV is really capable of and got some raw emotion from Weber. And I think his words, like Doc's, are powerful and worth, worth listening to. Four years ago today in a preseason game in Wisconsin, the Kaepernick first took a knee. No, this has never happened before, but I'm sure that Dr. Harry Edwards, Dr. John Carlos, Arthur Ashe, Jackie Robinson, and others have been praying for this day. Shout out to Kenny. They walked off. I wanted to have a voice in here because I feel like we only had the same couple voices talking during these times. So it was very important for me to come over here. I keep hearing the question like, what's next? What's next? Well, you got to plan what's next. You have to figure out what's next. Um, I'm very proud of the players. I don't know the next steps. Don't really care what the next steps are because the first steps are to garner attention. And they have everybody's attention around the world right now. Then leadership and others will get together and decide the next steps. So we know it won't end tomorrow. We know that there's been a million marches and nothing will change tomorrow. We know vote. We keep hearing vote. Everybody vote. But I'm here to speak for those that are always marginalized. Those that live in these neighborhoods where we preach and tell them to vote and walk away. Charles Barkley came to my high school. Just seeing him in the locker room, seeing his hands and his body, that inspired me. You can't see something. You can't be something until you see it. And when I tell you the little kids that have called me upset 
I have a godson that has autism, and I just had to explain to him why we aren't playing. I have young nephews that I've had to talk to about death before they've even seen it in a movie. If not now, when? If not during a pandemic <laughs> and countless lives being lost, if not now, when? That's, that's all I just want to hear from the rest of the night where everybody's pontificating and thinking and soapboxing and all of that. We know nothing is going to change. We get it. If Martin Luther King got shot and risked his life, Mega Evers, if we've seen this and all of our heroes constantly taken down, we understand it's not going to end. But that does not mean, young men, that you don't do anything. Don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away. You are starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. Do you have to make sure that you have a plan? Yes. Do you have to be articulate about that plan? Yes. All of those things. But that's what you're going to do. They're professionals. They know how to be the best of themselves. And so I applaud it. I applaud it because it is the young people. It is the young people leading the way. And I applaud them. I think Chris Weber summed that up better than I possibly could, in large part because his lived experiences are very different from mine. In preparing for this show, I didn't know whether to call this a boycott or a strike. Boycotts are what consumers do, in my mind. And a strike is what labor does. But NBA players aren't really striking against their bosses. This isn't necessarily, they've had labor strikes before, and this isn't that. I think what this is, is a protest. And for all of you asking for peaceful protests from people in the streets, you are seeing perhaps the most powerful version of it here in the NBA play out. Like Chris Webber, I don't know what's next, and I don't expect a lot of change. Perhaps we'll get some concrete things, and and there's reason to be optimistic that when the powerful speak out, perhaps the marginalized will be heard. But if nothing else, let's just be appreciative that the Milwaukee Bucks did something brave today, and they did something they didn't have to do takes courage to stand up for what you believe in and step away from what you love. If we learn anything from this moment, let's appreciate that. Whatever happens next, I'll talk about it on this podcast. The Blazers will probably play more games at some point. The NBA will return in some form or fashion, I think. Even if it doesn't, this podcast isn't going to go anywhere. But today, I didn't want to talk about basketball, at least in the specifics of dribbling and shooting. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.